Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the GRIT Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth, your host of the show. And today I'm here with Brian Eisenhower. And Brian has a long-standing background in real estate. Uh, he's the CEO and founder of Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. And they provide all kinds of coaching that we'll learn more about today for teams, brokerages, agents. In addition to that, Brian has served on numerous boards of real estate platforms. Uh, also, I think you also served on NAR, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, I read somewhere, but Anyway, Brian's a, an attorney and nationally recognized real estate coach, trainer, author. And so we're going to get into that today and uh, speaker. So anyway, Brian, I don't know what I've missed, probably a lot, but welcome to the show and uh, feel free to, to add anything you'd like to that. Oh, that's good. That's good by me, Brian. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. So just uh, getting started. So you've been in the real estate a long time now and have seen not only like changes in industry cycles of the 2008s of the world and now what we're, what's hitting the, hitting the market today, but you also, so I think have been around long enough to see some major changes in just technologies that are available to people. So I'd love to hear about how you got started in the industry and just maybe walk us through where you feel the industry is at today. I'd be really interested in your take of that. Sure. Uh, well, I've been in it for about 30 years now, uh, so it's been a long time. Yeah, I was pre-internet, you know, way, way back way back that. So technology was a scientific calculator uh, back then. Um, so pre-internet. So yeah. if you were there pre-internet, that would be pre-MLS. Uh, well, no, MLS was around, but yeah, the online MLS, yes. Uh, we, we just had books, you know, with, with, yes. with smudge marks that look like houses in them. Uh, that we faxed photos in, and 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 then they got regurgitated back as ink blots, as 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 photos <laughs> of houses. But yeah, it's been a while, and I got into it. I mean, if I had to be honest, it's because my dad was a broker for fifty years uh, before he ultimately passed away. So I was exposed to real estate that way. Early on, I took a, a small jaunt. I was I was a real estate attorney for a few years early early in my career. Went to law school. Um, did sell some real estate during that time actually, and. Uh, and practiced for a few years, really quickly found out that wasn't for me, got into um, selling myself, I had a very high producing real estate team in um, California, ended up running a small boutique brokerage, you know, later grew that to a large brokerage, opened up quite a few, bro I'm still the owner of quite a few large brokerages in California and some okay. in the Midwest. Um, along the way, I became a real estate coach and trainer, and that's where I put most of my focus today. It's Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting, and we, we coach about 500 agents uh, across North America, one of the largest real estate coaching companies out there now. We have you know, very large online platforms where we have about over 100,000 subscribers to that that go through our training materials and, and are a part of our uh, real estate trainer community. 
uh, and Facebook group online called the Real Estate Agent Roundtable. So we cultivate that and it's, I've been able to reach more people that way, which is kind of a big thing I learned along this now three decade journey, I guess, is I really like helping people and, um, and helping people succeed. And, you know, I did that for myself and then I did that for a small team. And then I was able to do that for a brokerage, then a bigger brokerage than brokerages. And now I can get outside of my brokerages and, and, and really try to help everybody. And, and I get a lot of value from that. And I've got to watch a lot. And that's, that's really what pushes me. And of course, you know, success that comes with it, profits that come with that are great, but I have always found that it's good to have kind of a passion and inner desire for something other than money uh, fueling you. And, and that's kind of what's continued to fuel. And lately it's, it's been really rewarding just because of so many changes, you know, with, you know, a global pandemic and, you know, things, you know, technology elevating at such a quick quick rate and now big shifts in the market. So all of that, it's created a lot of changing and a lot of needing to navigate businesses and make changes and quick shifts and pivots in businesses. And that's really fun to be out in front of that stuff and, and, and make decisions and, and strategize on what to do. So uh, to, for me, it's never been more fun than it is right now. Awesome. So, so you are not only coaching people on their businesses, but simultaneously you are running real estate businesses. You own several brokerages. Yeah, I will say that I'm I'm not I'm not really in the day to day of those brokerages anymore. Yeah, Other people are running them, but I do I yeah. do kind of I'm there as a consultant and a coach when needed. Uh, you know, every now and then I'll be involved in a hiring you know decision or something like that. But if things are going well, I, I really don't know what's going on. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. So um, something I want to hit on today, Brian. I think there's no doubt. I believe that the largest book that changed the real estate world was probably Gary Keller's, the, the millionaire real estate agent, right? I agree with that. MREA book. So anyway, that was a book that really taught people how to build a team. And I, I haven't seen a lot of other books around that, but word on the street is that you are now coming out with a book uh, really focused on real estate teams. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And, and boy, you hit it right. That, um, Wiley Publications, uh, which is a, a publisher, reached out to me. And I've written a few books before with different publishers, but Wiley is a kind of a well-known educational book publishing company. And they put a lot of great books out there through a lot of industries. They reached out to me a few years back and we started collaborating on an effort. They said exactly what you just said. We need another book about real estate teams, an updated one. And one that got a little bit more specific about how to structure, how to run, uh, and how to successfully manage a high-producing real estate team. So that's what we've been working on for about three years, and and it, it's much bigger project than I had uh, than I had imagined. But I'm happy to say it is now finished. Uh, it is made through made it all the way through copy editing, uh, formatting, and it is due to be released on September 28th of this year. So I'm thrilled to have that come out, uh, and I and I really do think that we are in need of an update. I love the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, and I respect Gary Keller at the highest levels. Um, I learned so much from that book, and I, I think I've probably read it easily over 20 times. Um, I can quote specific pages in that book, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, things have really changed uh, over, over the last 20 years, and, and things have evolved, and there's a lot of different ways to, to structure a real estate agent's business. And I, I think the, the High Performing Real Estate Team book goes into a lot of those different ways from how to structure it, how to, how to pay your people, how to hire your people, uh, how to run a team, how to, how to manage it going forward. 
And so it really is intended not just for team leaders, but for entire teams to read together and help that team grow from agent production to size of the team to market share. Uh, very excited for that one to get out. Great. Sounds like it sounds like it's really targeted specifically at the team owner or someone wanting to become a team owner. Yeah, I mean, but but you're going to see it reinforces. Um, it can be read by buyers, agents, listing specialists, and admins as well, too. It kind of reinforces best practices for real estate teams and everybody on it. And it's also intended for the solo agent, too, because I have found over the years that solo agents want to know, is that should I be on a team? Should I form a team? What does that look like? Um, it's hard to make those decisions if you don't know um, what it takes. And this book tells you what it takes. So I really think if you're in real estate, it's a good read for you, period, just so you uncover a lot of the myths about it and you, and, and you know and can make the most informed decision on, on where you want to go with your real estate career. Okay. So I'd love to dig a little deeper into that. So you just, you just said, you know, for that individual agent, should I be on a team? Should I start a team? What's, you know, how do, how do I know where to end up? Or, or should I just go be a solo agent somewhere, which in my opinion is a really tough place to be right now. But I'd love to hear your opinions and really what, what the book would teach us in that, in that scenario. Well, I will say um, everyone's different. So there's not one answer here. I, I want to clarify that. But I can speak in generalities very, yeah. very comfortably. Because one of the things I told you about these brokerages, um, I had a big hand in growing them. And I was very much involved in the operations of them as they were being started and formed. Okay. You know, some of these brokerages have hundreds of agents in them. So I got a pretty good segment and I could, I could ascertain which agents, you know, an agent would get a license and come in and join the brokerage. Right. And after a while, you start to get a feel for the chances of success per agent. Right. So these agents would come in and I would always say, okay, a solo agent, would have a one in 10 chance of succeeding. And, and to me, succeeding means, you know, you're closing, you know, 10, 15 transactions a year, you're living. I mean, you're not, you know, flying on jets and stuff, but you're, you're, you're surviving in real estate, right? Yeah, surviving. Um, so yeah. that's, that, that will, will you say, it's about one in 10. So many of them would join and just disappear and you never see them again. Or, and these were big brokerages. So we had found that, hey, there was, it's really hard to judge a book by its cover. So until they come in, we'll see how they do, right? And that was the idea. And we'll give everybody the opportunity to succeed. We'll be there for everybody. But it's amazing how many just don't show up. I mean, I think the, the national average every year stated by the National Association of Realtors is 33% don't make it past their first year. And a shocking 87% don't make it past five years before they stop renewing their MLS dues. And that's astonishing. So it's a very low success rate. It's a numbers game. But I've, so that's why when I say one out of 10, it might've surprised you, but really, if you look at your agent population in any multiple listing service across North America, you'll see about 50, 60% of the agent population has not closed a transaction in the last year. Yes. So that alone tells you, hey, there's, there's a lot that need to go still. So one out of 10 shouldn't surprise you. but in our offices, they were very big and they still are. So therefore they typically had a lot of the largest, highest producing real estate teams within them. Okay. And they still do. And a lot of those teams were there because teams need agents, right? So yeah. the value, these big brokerages, well, one of the values 
oftentimes the chief value these big brokerages provide to these agents is they provide them with agents, right? Yeah. Because if I'm the team leader of a team, I'm not just focused on getting listings. That's kind of playing small ball. If I'm focused on getting agents, that could bring me 10 to 20 listings a year. So getting, you know, getting more agents gets me a lot more transactions a lot more quickly than just focusing on getting listings. So if you're playing with people as instead of products, real estate teams will grow a lot faster. And, and, and those types of concepts are why at ICC, we coach a lot of the highest producing real estate teams in North America and they get so big and they get so leveraged. And so at these brokerages, we would see that. And I found that agents that came in that went on one of these teams had about a one in three shot at success wow. as opposed to a one in 10 shot. So that means they're more than three times more likely to survive if they go on a team. That's a long way around to give you the answer, but I had to tell you. No, it's a great answer. And I literally, this is after watching thousands of agents because, you know, there's a churn rate of all these new agents coming in and 33% not making it every year and all of the, you know, are leaving the business and even higher percentage leaving the brokerage or, or, or just drifting into the ether. You know, that's the big one is the drifting into the ether. I've got my license. I don't really need to work. And I don't really like, you know, and, and then pretty soon they disappear and they're at the house. You never see them in the office again. And they sell one house every few years. Yes. A lot of that. So, yeah. but again, I don't call those success stories. It is my, not just belief. I know because I, I often met these people when they first joined and their intentions when they first got that license and joined the brokerage were to set the world on fire. But then two to three years later, they see what it takes and those intentions change. Then it's like, well, I'm going to do more Airbnbs or I might start flipping homes or, you know, I'm going to work part-time. And so the, yeah. the motivation change once we see that it's not all HG and TV um, yeah. and, and, and we have to do some things to generate business. Yeah, I, I jumped into real estate because I really love seeing homes, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. you're in the sales game now. And that's what you were talking about, Brian. You said this is a numbers game. And it is a numbers game as far as the number of people, agents coming in and surviving, but it's also a numbers game as far as what you need to do to be successful. So can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to like this. Okay. So I, I'm obviously going to like this because I, yeah. Season, right? but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one thing about Sisu and the platforms you put out there, that is one of the crucial things that we need to do to be successful. And, and you didn't tell me to say this. We didn't talk about this, but it does tie in with my book. We didn't talk about that either. But I talk about the five key components to running a successful real estate team. Okay. And I lay out these five components. Okay. And I'm, I just want to talk about one of them, which is component number four, which is having a team dashboard. We have got to have something that monitors those key activities which I call ABIs, activity-based indicators, mm -hmm. okay? A lot of people call KPIs. Some sort of activities that we do on a daily basis to generate business. And then we've got to be able to see them somehow. And we've got to be held accountable to doing them by someone so that we stay on top of it. And right now in this market, that's extremely hard to do. You know, there's low inventory. So agents are writing four and five times as many offers to do the same amount of transactions in this market. 
Now, even though they should, believe it or not, buyer's agents shouldn't be working so hard in this market. This is the easiest market for buyer's agents to operate in. I'm going to say it again. This is the easiest market for buyer's agents to be operating in, a hot seller's market, because you don't have to show many homes. There aren't many homes to show. So it's a lot less work right now. You only have to show three or four properties to get one under contract, where in any other market, you're showing 10, 20, even 30 properties to get one under contract. And that's the bulk of the time spent by a buyer's agent. But buyer's agents don't think that way right now. So you have to reset their mind if you're a team leader or a coach or a trainer or whoever's watching. Have to reset their mind so they realize, oh, wait a minute. At least I'm not showing property every night and every weekend right now. All I'm having to do is, is deal with the two negatives of a hot seller's market, which we have seen. I've had the fortune of seeing, this is my third. <laughs> 2004, five, and six was the last one. And what it means is you have to write four times as many offers, which doesn't take much time to write offers. So that's the hard part. You have to write more offers, which is a lot less time than it is showing more property but you do have to deal with the negative aspect. And there is a very negative mental aspect that is associated with all that rejection. Yep. And not only for you, the agent, because you want to get paid and you just keep getting rejected and you just want to wring the neck of these listing agents and agents start behaving very badly towards each other because of all the anxiety and panic in the air because of the buyers themselves are so upset, they've got no one else to be upset with other than you, their buyer's agent, because you're the person they're talking to. So they're mad at you. You didn't get them asked. Yeah. Right. So then that creates mad at you, that, the buyer's agent, and then the buyer's agent's mad at the listing agent. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like a, it's just like a, just a, a, a funnel of angst running through the entire industry. And they get mad at, mad at the lenders and they get mad at the, you know, it just, it just flows all the way through. So even though it's this red heart market that has record sales volume, and listen to this, record inventory. That's the one that most people don't get to. We've never had more listings than this, but it doesn't feel like it because they're only here for a split second. But then you go back and look at each month and we have record numbers of sales volume. Well, yeah. if there's record numbers of sales volume, there, there has to be record numbers of listings because it takes a listing to get a sale. Yeah. But people yeah. don't realize that. So we have more listings than we can handle. We just have out of control buyer demand. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I don't think I've heard anybody say this year that we have record inventory, but the reality is we do for a day, right? I mean, record number of homes hitting the market. We've never had more listings hit the market, never. Well, 2005 and six are real close, but we're going to pass them this year. Okay, so the that's a great, great piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Um, the other thing you shared that really stands out to me is in a normal market, you're just going to go out and you're going to show five or 10 homes, but wouldn't you rather write four offers than do that? Because it takes less of your time. So really great way to look at it. I think just that perception of my wife runs a real estate team. So I see, you know, sometimes the agents feeling like, oh, it's impossible to get someone under contract, right? Some of the agents feel that way and others are like, oh yeah, I can go out and get someone under contract. No big deal, right? It's just, how do you feel about it? And are you sharpening your skills to do it? But well, so think, Brian, think about it this way as it relates to CSU. I mean, you've got buyer pipelines, right? Um, where, where we actually are looking at all of your 
your A leads or, or your hot leads or your most active buyers, whatever you want to call them. And, and we manage those in the pipeline. Yes. In this type of market, the key that you need to focus on as an agent, as an activity-based indicator is not how many I'm, how many I'm putting under contract. It's how many active buyers do I have in my pipeline? Okay. And that should be in front of our teams every single week. Because this year, I'm using very round numbers and it's different in different parts of the country, but it's similar in every part of the country. You might have, or let's, let's put it this way, last year, if you wanted to close 20 buyer side transactions, you probably had to work with 30 buyers because 10 of them just aren't going to get a house, right? They're, they're going to be unrealistic. They're, they're going to need closing costs. They're going to have an FHA loan or something, you know, or for whatever reason, 10 of them aren't going to make it. This year, if you want to close 20 transactions, you're looking at, you need to probably be working with 60 to 80 buyers because a good solid 66 to 75% of buyers are not going to be able to get a home. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. I mean, if you've got a loan at all, it's a red flag, let alone an FHA or a VA or you need closing costs or you're even remotely unrealistic or you're slightly picky about the location or the home you want or you're just not quick enough. All of those things. So we can't get hung up as agents on one particular buyer or we're going to blow our whole career and, and we're not going to be able to successfully help our other clients that are able to buy. It'd be like a doctor getting frustrated because he has to tell a client that they've got cancer and then getting very sad and not being able to operate or deliver a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be professional and there's going to be some people you have to tell they have cancer and there's going to be some people that you have to deliver a baby to and you can't take the, the mental negativity from one scenario into the other. You're going to have to be professional and shut it down. And being a realtor isn't all about happy roses and unicorns. You know, we do get to deliver babies when we hand the keys to our buyer, but then we also have to tell people they have cancer too. And some people need to go borrow money from a family member to buy something cash and then hopefully refinance it later. Like we have to have those conversations now. And there's going to be a lot of people who can't do that. So therefore they're not going to buy a house. And if we get hung up on the, on the one or two buyers we have that can't get a home, we're not going to keep generating more buyers that can, because we have to get through 80 to get 20 type of scenario. It's a numbers game and we have to play it. That's all great advice, Brian. Thanks for sharing. It's a perspective I haven't necessarily heard, and I'm talking to people every day in this business. So thank you. Good. Um, what is the name of your new book? The name of the new book is The High Performing Real Estate Team. The Higher Performing Real Estate. The High Performing Real Estate. The High Performing Real Estate Team. Okay. That's not too innovative on the title. Okay. So the High Performing Real Estate Team. You covered point number four in detail. Can you just give us what are points one, two, three, and five? Yeah, in, in, a, uh, in a nutshell, we're going to talk about a goal, okay, and we call it a viral goal. It's a goal that, you know, a team goal or an organizational goal. It could, this could be a brokerage too, by, by the way. It doesn't have to be necessarily a real estate team. Yeah. Um, so it's a viral goal that encompasses the goals of all the different team members. 
So it actually is going to, it's going to be a goal that runs virally through the entire organization. So let's say a real estate team, you've got buyers, agents, listing specialists, inside sales agents, listing managers, they've all got personal goals. Those personal goals are tied into the team's organizational goal. And we show you how to build that so that everybody's vested because too often with real estate teams, you have a high performing leader that has a goal. And that's the only person who really cares about the team's goal. The rest just want to get their money. You know what I'm saying? And get paid. Um, so they aren't all bought into the team's goal. Yeah, every agent should have their own goal and their own dashboard, in my opinion, so that really so they can have positive accountability with whoever's leading that team. Absolutely. And it should be all aligned. Yeah. And, you, and your platform at CSU does a great job of doing that. Does a great job of doing that. Our second key component is we're activity based, right? We have to focus on activities, not just results. Because too often we get hung up on the results. And that is a killer in this market, like we just talked about. If you're all worried about, you know, how many offers you write and get under contract, you know, you're going to get real frustrated in this market. So we focus on the activities. How many contacts are you making? How many active buyers are you building? And we have faith that by focusing on activities, the results will follow. So our key focus is activities out in front of us all the time. So an active buyer would be basically anybody in their pipeline, really. That maybe it's a signed buyer. Is that what that is? Signed buyer broker or something? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I like to kind of do it, but yes, you are correct. Usually, it's an A buyer that we're trying to move into a signed uh, buyer exclusive agency agreement, right? So yep. we're focusing, or people even call those buyer listings. You know, yep. so we've got this yep. buyer inventory growing. Right. So our focus is constant contact to our A buyers, buyers that are actively looking and would buy something if they found the house they, they wanted and they will actively go look right now. That roughly is what we call an A buyer. Okay. And we're, we're repeatedly making our, focusing our most attention on those birds in the hand. And we're trying to move them into our pipeline that has signed a buyer broker agreement. Whoever gets the most buyer broker agreements, that's the result. The activity that we're focused on, the ABI, is contacts made to those active buyers. And that is the most important metric to focus on. The contacts made, the conversations or, you know, text messages, whatever. Correct, you bet. And that's our focusing on those activities. And how do we do that? What are the different ways we do that? What different markets do we do that in? Because um, there's a bunch of different ways to, to you know, to generate business uh, in, uh, in real estate and a lot of different ways you can do that. And we talk a lot about that uh, in the book. And then our third component is uh, cultivating responsibility through public accountability. And that's where, you know, a CSU, you know, dashboard up in front of a whole team daily, weekly, so that everybody sees and everybody's vulnerable to their efforts with regards to those activities. And yeah. results are also public too. So we want to make those public. And that's just kind of like, I mean, that's, that's pretty basic. I think everybody can relate to trying to go to the gym by yourself or trying to work out by yourself, or do you really go to church if your wife doesn't make you, you know, having that public accountability increases the likelihood that you're going to do something a little bit uncomfortable that ultimately gets you the results you want. Um, so trying to, to cultivate personal responsibility through public accountability is, uh, is, the, is the concept that leads us into what I mentioned before, uh, driving growth with a, uh, with a dashboard. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, the fifth one is huddling up. We got to meet. How do we meet? What are the best ways to meet? What are the best times to meet? What are, what is the, what are team meeting agendas? How do we structure our meeting? And we call that huddling up. Okay. So, the word meeting. That's how we do it. 
So the high producing real estate team with this book comes out not till September? September 28th, that's correct. Can I get a copy sooner? Uh, I think I can get you a copy sooner. I think I can work that out, Brian. That's not it would be yeah. great. I just don't know what format it's going to be in, but you'll be able to read it. <laughs> I'm going to see if we can just put a picture of each of these activities happening with the CSU within CSU on your cover. That would that would be a good cover for us. You know, we should. Yeah, have I like that. Together. I, I think like every, that. everything you point out in this book happens to be our focus. So uh, that I, makes I, me happy. I know that. <laughs> I yeah. thought you'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, very much so. People are going to think we planned this, but uh, but we didn't. <laughs> no no we didn't if, if it was planned then cc would be mentioned on the cover <laughs> so you you gave some great examples of what's happening in the industry today with buyers and thank you for that just by sharing in your book is there anything else you'd like to share with what's happening in the industry and i would love to get your view of where's the industry going to be in a year or two as well yeah um I am not a big fan of doom and gloom about the real estate agent being replaced. I just don't see that happening. I don't either. Uh, I see a lot of people and companies trying to alarm real estate agents for their own personal motivations, like come to my company or you'll die because of Zillow. Um, use my product or you won't keep up with Zillow, you know, or things like that. Um, well, well, even Zillow is hiring agents today. So I, I don't know. Right. You're right. I mean, they their original goal was to eliminate the real estate agent. I don't think that's their goal anymore. No, now it's like we're just going to compete with them. And, and you know, would you be afraid if another Remax entered the market? No, it's just another brokerage, you know. So taking over, I don't see it. I mean, what is their value proposition? We've got a bunch of leads that we give to our agents. Ooh, there's something novel. Like, it seems like everyone does that. Um, I read an article this morning, not published by Zillow, published by somebody else that said that Zillow, you know, people think it's such a threat and, but they're only working with 5% of the agents in the industry. And I don't know, they didn't say what percentage of the homes they were working with in the industry because it Way was less. really- it was really comparing them against to a competitor moving into the space. But, but, you know, I mean, that, that was interesting for me to see that, you yeah. know, opportunities I mean, there. we, we coach clients. We have a lot of the big, big hitter clients, right. Um, because we coach a lot of teams and stuff and, and we coach solo agents too. Don't get me wrong, but we've kind of established ourselves as, as the place where the big teams go. So we've got a lot of clients that sell 1500, 2000, 2500 homes a year. And guess what? A lot of them, do convert Zillow leads one way or the other. And it's such a small percentage of their business. Um, and people from the outside looking in and say, oh, they get all their business from Zillow. I mean, it's, I mean, we're talking like single digit percentages. I mean, the vast majority of their business is coming from other sources. Typically sphere of influence is, is you know, it's just the boring old answer. No one wants to, to admit, you know, they're just working the people they know, you know, over and over and, and focusing on activity-based indicators of the dashboard and their team is actually doing what everybody knows they should be doing because of that team accountability. Um, they, there isn't a magic pill they're paying for. Uh, you know, that does help supplement new agents typically um, until they get their own databases up and running. Uh, but that's generally speaking what's happening here. So 
you know, I, I'm not afraid of their emergence and I, you know, especially, you know, I buyer again, they're buying, they're now, you've got a new home flipper in your neighborhood. Again, is this new to you? Like, do you live in an area where there aren't home flippers buying houses directly through wholesalers? If so, I don't know where that is because everybody's used to that. I mean, that's been around for a long time and they're used to people buying leads and giving it to their agents. So I really don't see them replacing the agent. In fact, it looks like they're running into a place where they're just realizing, hey, to be profitable, we, we have to compete with them uh, alongside them yeah, um, and bring it on. You know, uh, in my opinion, like I, I'm, if, you, if you're an agent and, and you cannot compete with an iBuyer program in your listing presentation script, then you do need to get a coach very, very quickly because it's pretty easy to defeat the argument that they're using. Hey, we're going to buy your house for a really low amount, turn around it, and we're not going to charge you commission, but we're going to take all your profit when we sell it. That's not a hard argument to overcome as an agent, <laughs> you know, so that, you know, I think we can get around that one and say, hey, we'll just make you more money by just paying us a commission and you keep the profit. <laughs> you know? yeah. So um, it, not frightening to me. So I, I don't see that one. I really do think the realtor is very healthy. We're starting to see Amazon and Google really getting active into the, the home search and the realtor search space now. And they both need agents for those platforms to run. Uh, especially Google. So that's uh, with their local service ads and, and the emergence of all of that, um, very much geared around the agent. And then just another way to distribute online leads, which is kind of neat. And so I really just see the agent being needed more and more and more throughout the process. It just affirms it. You know, there's been some serious, you know, threats allegedly that never even came close to materializing. And, and I'm still yet to see one that makes sense. Yeah. that I'm really genuinely afraid of. The two companies coming in, you mentioned Google. What was the other one you mentioned? Amazon. Amazon, yeah, okay. Yeah, Amazon's really just in beta right now, though. We did yeah. some work okay. with them on that. So one of the things you mentioned in that answer was uh, strengthening your database. And having worked with a lot of teams and a lot of solo agents, most of our, most of our customers are teams and brokerages like yours, but... Right. It seems to me the big missing piece for most solo agents that I know, they don't actually have a database. Like they don't have, they don't pay for the software to effectively run a database where they're doing the effective follow-up and touches and things like that. Would you agree with that or? Oh yeah. What's your, what's your thought on that? Oh, they certainly don't. I mean, it's uh, agents are hypersensitive to cost yes. <laughs> is an understatement. Yes. And again, I think the concepts we those five components of a team. Like, if you're a solo agent, man, you need you need to stop doing this alone. Like, you're gonna need like whether it be a coach or a CRM, you're gonna need to invest a little bit in your business here, um, and because otherwise you're not gonna do it yourself. I've just watched thousands of agents over the years, and they're they're just too you know like even if they get a CRM. Without someone pushing them or, or, or driving them forward, they're not even going to figure out how to use it. And they're going to say it doesn't work or they don't like it. You know, that's, you know, the CRMs are fine. <laughs> it's usually yeah, the yeah. user that's the problem here. Yeah. Um, so, so the thing about a team, they have accountability. They have a coach. They take it that accountability level way up to the next level, right? They have a CRM. Even if, even, if, even if you are on a team, you should have a coach, right? Yeah. They really should. So, yeah. But, yeah. but I can totally see as we dig into this why one in 10 agents survives if they go straight into a brokerage and one in three if they go into a team. Yep, I agree with yeah. that one. I can, I can vouch for that one all day long. And I do like the idea of, 
of not trying, I mean, hedge your bet. I mean, it, those numbers are daunting. So the way that you actually improve those numbers is getting help, you know, getting a CRM, using dashboards, getting a coach. That's how you really jimmy the odds, hedge your bet and make sure that you beat the odds. Because I mean, if you look at all the top teams uh, or top agents or, or, or what have you across the country, they've all got CRMs. They're all tracking their activities and they've all got coaches. So, I mean, success leaves clues. It's up to the agents to pick them up. You know, I mean, it's, re it's real clear. Yeah. Well, Brian, I know you have a hard stop and I have a hard stop in a few minutes. So I've just got a couple more questions for you, but sure. just such a great perspective sitting here talking to you today. So I really appreciate you and spending time with us. And uh, just a couple of things on your personal side, like what, what kind of things do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, you seem like you're in great shape. You, you are coaching, but what are you doing for fun when you're, when you're out and about? Um, well, I, I live in California, so I, I like to surf. Um, I'm a runner. I like to swim. I'm a swimmer uh, my whole life. So I'm pretty active. Um, I've got a wife and a couple kids. My wife, like yours, sells, sells a lot of real estate. Um, sells a few hundred houses a year. She's got a real estate team as well, too. But we're pretty darn active. We're, we're beach people. So we, you know, we, like I said, we surf and we, we stand up paddle and we kayak and, and uh, do all that kind of stuff. So we're real outdoors people. I, we run around a lot. She's doing her first triathlon. I've done a lot of triathlons in my life. Awesome. Um, those are kind of exhausting. So I, I, I kind of, yeah. but, uh, still do those from time to time as well, too. So pretty active. Love, love to travel. We're big travelers as well, too, which is kind of fun. So do you live in Orange County? Is that where you no, live? No, I live in a small beach town called Morro Bay, California. It's, it's north of there. It's north, okay. not as far as San Francisco. It's, uh, it's probably right in between uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's a good way to say it. Okay. Okay. Great. So um, you said you love to travel. Tell us what's the best place you've ever been. What's your favorite place in the world? Other than oh, wow, that's good. Um, man, I, I love I love history. So I went through Italy, and I just love Italy because I like all the history. Stuff goes really old there. I've been to Istanbul. I love Constantinople, Istanbul, Constantinople, because of all the history. So checking out all the mosques and learning about all the different empires that that ran that place was was really really cool. Um, those are some great places. I've been to Fiji, um, again, beach guy. Um, so, so that, as far as beaches go, I, uh, and islands, that's probably my favorite. I'm a big fan of Hawaii. We go there, we're on California. So, you know, it's pretty quick jaunt over to, to Hawaii for us. So I go to Kona a lot. We're a big fan of the Mauna Kea area and Mauna Kea beach. I think it's the best beach in the world. Great place to take your family. Uh, so I like that one. And next week I'm, hopping on a plane and going to Key West and we're going to go mahi-mahi fishing because the mahi-mahi run this time of year between Cuba and the Florida Keys. Um, so we're going to go try to catch a bunch of those and, and eat a bunch of fish uh, next week, which I'm, I'm thrilled for that because I've never caught a mahi-mahi, but I'm, I'm going I'm to do everything I can to get one next week. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. Well, have fun. Thanks for sharing that. Brian, I, I've had a great time with you today. For any listeners that want to reach out and reach you guys, what's the best way to get a hold of you? What's your website? All those kinds of things. Sure. You can catch us at EisenhowerCoaching.com. Uh, EisenhowerCoaching.com is the best way to go. Um, you can get a free coaching consultation with, uh, with our head coach. Um, we've got about 25 coaches, like I said, about 500 clients. And we'll give you a free coaching consultation if you just go in there and 
spend about 30 seconds filling out the quick form. We'll get back to you same day and schedule, uh, you know, you can get a free 30 minute coaching consultation, no obligation. And, um, and hopefully you take something away from that, even if you don't want to try coaching. Um, hopefully you can get some insight into your business and, and, uh, and, and gain something for free going forward. But that's the best way to catch us. All right. Awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us again on today's show. Uh, looking forward to next week's. Uh, make sure and join us then. In addition, if you enjoyed the show, go give us a, a review. Subscribe to the show. That'll help us get more guests like Brian on the show today. So, Brian, thanks again for your time. Have an amazing trip to Key West next week. Awesome. Thank you, Brian, for everything. All right. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.